Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. At the end of last session, what we found out was that regardless of our intentions, regardless of our efforts, sometimes, sometimes uh, there's conflict. And you're not going to get through this life without some conflict. You're not going to get through this life without some confrontation. If you were one of those who avoid confrontation at all cost and you never allow yourself to engage in confrontation, you will stay handicapped the rest of your life because it's inevitable. I want to remind you of something. Just because there's some conflict or some confrontation doesn't mean that it's ungodly. Do you, um, do you know enough about the Scriptures to know that Jesus' own family and Jesus got crosswise with one another? Not because he made a mistake, but if you read the Gospels closely enough, you'll find out that there came a time when his own family came to him. And uh, how many of you know that confrontation usually starts in the family somewhere? Amen? Just, just so you're alive. And his own family came to him and had a problem with him. And they confronted him. And they're like, what are you do? Why are you doing what you do? Why are you doing what you do? You need to stop this. You need to come home with us. In other words, you need to come under what we want you to do. Imagine that. Jesus' own family had conflict with him. And um, you um, probably know enough about the Word of God that he submitted to his father. He obeyed what the Lord, his father, told him to do. And he had to commit some of that conflict over to his father and go on about his business. The good news is that somewhere down the road, here's a good example. You ever read the book of James? Did you know James was the half-brother of Jesus? You know what that means. The Holy Spirit was the father. Mary was the mother. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And there was a time when James came to Jesus and said, you got to stop this and come home. you got to do what we want you to do. Jesus obviously didn't do that. He went about his father's business. He even told his mother he had to be about his father's business at the right time. And guess what? After the resurrection, James had a dramatic, mighty, life-changing conversion and even became the pastor of the church at Jerusalem and wrote the book of James. So whatever brokenness you have right now in your interpersonal relationships, understand that the Lord is at work. Regardless of the way it seems, the Lord is at work as you trust Him and commit it to Him 
And uh, if you will keep on about your father's business, God can do what you can't do about resolution. Last time at the end of uh, the teaching, and boy, what a wonderful time we had with uh, Brother Chet last Sunday. It is on the website. If you didn't get to hear that, you need to listen to it. If you need to listen to it again, please do so. It was a wonderful time. But, but the time before that in, in our series on relationships, we found out that there's sometimes that they're poisonous people. We um, read about Alexander, whom Paul said, uh, avoid him, beware of him. He did me much harm. We also found out that uh, the scriptures are full of times where we're actually avoided, not uh, we're told to avoid certain contentious people. We talked about the power of strife. Everybody say this with me. Strife will bring in confusion and every evil thing. We talked about that at length last time. Then at the very end, we talked about how two of God's choicest servants had a strong disagreement and had to part ways. Do you know that sometimes you have to part ways? That's not a goody-goody little giddy-giddy thing that some people think, well, you know, you just, no, uh, I won't to read this scripture for you, and this is Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, and it's a very interesting little sentence. Chapter 12 of Romans verse 18 says, are you listening? If it is possible, what would that mean? Sometimes it's not, right? If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, not the other person, as much as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. If it is possible, as much as it depends on your part, live peaceably with all. It's an interesting passage. I believe what scriptures would tell us that in relationships, although relationships are God's heart, they, they, He wants us in relationships, I believe that we would be wise. The Bible also tells us to be wise about who we let into our lives. So I would say to you, it would not be to your advantage to continue to try to have deep relationships with what I call the three C's controllers. Controllers are those who are basically operating out of an inner issue of fear. So out of that fear, they try to control everything and everybody in their sphere. Controllers. Sometimes that arises out of fear, and sometimes it arises out of uh, pride. That is, I have the right to tell you what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, because I know what you ought to be doing. So sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's pride, sometimes it's both. So you're not going to be very successful as you 
as you make great investments into the controllers, there's also the condemners. There are those who always feel like they have to tell you what's wrong with what you have said, what you've done, what you've planned, how you've been, what you have succeeded or failed at. They always feel like they have to point out to you how inferior you are. They're condemners. I want to tell you something. Condemnation hurts the heart of God. Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is not a condemner. He is not a condemner. Anybody who came to Jesus that had brokenness, he always would say to them, I don't condemn you. And then he would give them a path for another life. Condemners. Why do people insist on condemning others? Basically two things. Number one, there's usually a root of shame. And out of their own shame, they overflow that into other people. If you are dealing with shame that is unresolved, you try in our own fleshly nature to cause somebody else to be shameful along with you. Um, First thing that happened when Eve partook of the forbidden fruit and shame came was she immediately shared it with her husband. Condemners want to spread what they, the, the inner atmosphere of their life with somebody who would be willing to receive it. And I want to tell you, if a condemner finds out that you will embrace their condemnation, they'll just keep on doing it until you stop it. Some point, you're going to have to rise up and say, I don't deserve that, I will not receive it, and you have got to stop that in my presence. Well, pastor, that's rude. No, that's just righteousness. Not doing it. God is not a condemner. Self-condemnation, unresolved, leads us to condemn, criticize other people. So usually it is a matter of our own inner brokenness when we condemn others. And then there's another C there, and that is the consumers. <laughs> the consumers are absolutely consumed with their own agenda. They don't really care about anybody else. Everything is focused on what they want, how they want it, when they want it, and what you should do to help them get what they want. Consumers. Do you know, if you consume and consume and consume and consume and never invest, guess what? You get bankrupt. You can get mentally bankrupt. You can get emotionally bankrupt. You can get spiritually bankrupt. You can get financially bankrupt. And you can get relationally bankrupt. If all you want to do is for somebody to meet your desires and your needs and you don't invest, it makes perfect sense that if you're always consuming and not investing, it's going to get bankrupt. 
And we see this in marriages. We see this in families. We see this in, in friendships. We see this in your business. We see this with your customers. We see it in the church. I want everything you can do for me. I just don't want to give anything back. And um, sooner or later, it bottoms out. So ask the Lord to help you understand and recognize you may have controllers, condemners, or consumers that you have to deal with in your family or in your life, but be careful that you invest more in what the Lord thinks of you, in how He feels, in what He wants, and little by little, by His Spirit and His Word, you become strong enough not to let the three C's consume your life. So, at the end of our last time, we saw where two mighty men of God, Paul and Barnabas, got in such contention, and I'm reading out of Acts chapter 15, in verse 36, after some days Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back now and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, what's this? Verse 37, now Barnabas, and the Bible tells us earlier that Barnabas was a wonderful, faithful, godly man. Barnabas was determined, already made up his mind to take with them John called Mark. That was his cousin. But Paul, verse 38, insisted that they should not take with them the one, John Mark, who had departed from them in Pamphylia and not gone with them to the work. Verse 39, then the contention, the disagreement became so sharp that they departed from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by, whoa, 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 look at verse 40. Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren, the covering, the other godly people, to the grace of God. So who was right? The Bible doesn't specifically say who was right. Isn't that interesting? I said, isn't that interesting? What we do know is that the work doubled. It wasn't just one team now, it was two. We do know that John Mark was a wonderful man. In fact, the Lord entrusted him to write the second book of the New Testament. And uh, you know what else we know? What else we know is, well, this is very interesting. I want you to look or, or just listen to me in, in Colossians chapter 4. Here's an interesting thing. <clears throat> Paul is writing much later than, than when this contention took place, and he says to the church at Colossae, he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. 
I already told you, if he comes to you, welcome him. So what happened? They worked it out. Do you know the very last thing Paul wrote was 2 Timothy chapter 4. And notice what he says there in verse 11. Only Luke, the physician, is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. I'm going to partner with Mark, who I denied access to a missionary journey. I need him right now to help me in my ministry. You know what I'm trying to tell you? is this. Just because there's contention now doesn't mean there always will be. God can do mighty things. These, <clears throat> there was a time when Paul had to separate himself from Mark because of Mark's track record. What's the reason he did it? Because of Mark's track record. He had gone on a missionary journey with, he, with Paul and Barnabas, and when it got tough out there, he made his exit. And Paul said, I'm not taking him anymore. This is enough. Barnabas said, oh, yeah, we got to take him. We got to need him. We, you know, the compassionate heart thing, and, and there's good to all that. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. God never says who was right or who was wrong, but the mission got multiplied. Paul and Mark were restored in their fellowship with one another and even teamed up at the end. Don't give up where there's brokenness. Keep on praying that the Lord will do his work, but understand that sometimes for a season you have to have some separation. It's not sin or inferior. It's not failure. Sometimes. Okay? So when... Is confrontation appropriate? First thing, always ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, is this a matter that I need to receive more grace and acceptance about? What would that mean? That means you, you need to receive more grace and acceptance if it is a matter of aggravation, irritation. But when would the Holy Spirit lead me to some confrontation? When it's a lot more than aggravation and irritation. It gets to be distressful. The person starts creating disorder. Causing pain. Then you got to have, go to the Holy Spirit and say, not just should there be confrontation, but how should this go? Does everybody follow me so far? This is no fun. If you think you're going to do a rah, rah, yay, 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 and you're going to praise and worship all through this confrontation. You are going to be disappointed. This is not fun. 
But I'm trying to tell you the whole truth as your pastor. Sometimes it's necessary. It's going to have to happen. Sometimes. If it happened to Jesus with his own family, it can happen to you. Everybody say, I know it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so ask the Holy Spirit, Do I, is this a matter of me just needing more grace and, or is it time for confrontation? Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom in understanding and self-control before you get in the face-to-face -face meeting, before you get on the phone call, before you just fire off that email out of your own emotions. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom, understanding, and self-control. The times that I've not exercised self-control in my own confrontations ends up causing me to have to go back and try to repair the bridge that I just blew up. Does everybody understand? Have you been there with me? Well, three of you have. I feel better already. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, give me wisdom, understanding, self-control before I go into this, during this confrontation, and after it. Don't sit there and stew for three months after the confrontation. Um... Build a bridge. Learn to build a bridge. And uh, we, we have some ladies who are building bridges here today. I'm going to dismiss them uh, to do that. And Gene, uh, uh, if you'll close the door behind them out there, because they're going to be preparing for this luncheon. Uh, and I, I, I do recommend everybody who's a a partner of this ministry who listens to us all around the world now, and those of you who are uh, serving, I really want you to listen to these principles about conflict resolution because they're inevitable. You're going to have it. How do I build a bridge? Remember what we just read in Romans 12, 18? If it is possible, if it is possible, be at peace with all. Number one, when you're going into a confrontation, it's important to set the right tone. Do you know that tone can override content? Let me say that again. I want everybody to get it. Tone can override content. There's a difference in I truly do love you. And I love you and you know it. Right? Tone can override content. You know, Proverbs says it like this. I love it. Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath. That's furious anger. 
but grievous words, strife-filled words stirs up more anger. So before the confrontation, ask the Holy Spirit to give you the self-control to build a, a bridge instead of blasting a bridge. If you blast the bridge, then you've got to put in a whole lot more effort to rebuild it. Can anybody say amen? So um, set the tone. A soft answer turns away wrath. You know, I, I love uh, some other Proverbs, by the way. If you need wisdom, read the Proverbs. The Bible says the beginning of strife, at the very front end of strife, it's like the letting out of water. You ever notice how water begins to let out with a trickle and then it just gushes? The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water, so abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Proverbs says it again like this. It's in your outline. For lack of kindling, the fire goes out. You know what it's saying? If you keep on stirring up strife, all you're doing is throwing more dry wood on the fire. So remove the kindling so the fire will go out. Well, pastor, does that mean I don't ever talk about uh, stuff that needs to be resolved? No. It just means that your tone has everything to do with the success. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And before you get into the issues that are causing such pain, start with letting somebody know that you do love them and that they're valuable to you. I do love you and you're valuable to me. Many years ago, I had a series on conflict resolution, and it was, it was called Affirm, Confront, Affirm. You start with affirmation, you go to confrontation, and you end with affirmation. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Set a right tone, express value. Let them know you do love them. And that's the ground rules. I do love you. And then address their concerns. You might want to start by asking a question instead of saying, please leave out these two terms that will always stir up more anger and strife. Always and never. Will you always do that? You never pay any attention to me. Always and never will get you in deep trouble. So avoid the extremes of always and never. Um, <clears throat> you might want to do it the way God did it in the garden with Adam. You may want to ask a question. In the confrontation phase, are you aware of how much pain what you're saying or doing is causing? Are you aware of that? You can always use these words. Help me, help me understand why you're choosing to talk like that 
or act like that. Help me understand why you are making these choices. That builds a bridge. You always do that. You never do it. You're going to blow your bridge up. Are we learning anything? Okay, so what we do is we do address the concerns. Now, look, let me tell you this. It's very important when you're in confrontation, don't attack somebody's value. Address the issues, not their value. If you attack them, if you're always attacking what they always do or don't do, then they're going to put their defenses up and not listen to what you're trying to say. Don't attack the person. Stick to the issues. Do you, have you thought, here's a good question. Have you thought about why it is that we, you always get the same result you're getting? Have you ever thought about why it always ends like this? Pastor, that can make somebody mad. Yeah, but it's, it can also get to the issue. And if you think that confrontation, nobody will ever express emotion, you're wrong. That's going to happen. We're human, aren't we? I said we are human, aren't we? We do have feelings, don't we? We make mistakes, don't we? I said we do make mistakes, don't we? Just, just making sure. One of the best things that you can do if during that confrontation or to help take the kindling wood out of that confrontation is you can say, you know what, after I have reviewed what I just said or what I said yesterday or whenever, I realize I could have handled that a little better. That's a bridge builder. I realize I could have handled that a little better. I could have fill in the blank. I should have fill in the blank. Do you know that the principle of humbling yourself always sets you up for the blessing of God? When you hold yourself out as always right and not willing whatsoever to reconcile, that's not the heart of God. He won't bless that. Learn to address the concerns, stick to the issues, learn to build bridges, learn to say, I, I could have handled that differently. Learn to say, help me understand. <clears throat> learn to say, are you aware of where these choices are leading? Where do you think this is going? But always at the end, listen, even when there's disagreement, even when you can't 
come to an agreement, let somebody know, even though you disagree, that they're still valuable to you. You still love them. Sometimes, even with those that you love, you're going to have to separate from. Paul and Barnabas, powerful, mighty team, had to separate for a while. God wasn't mad at either one of them. Relationship, listen, relationships, this is one of Pastor Joe's favorite points. If y'all were at Pastor Joe's service that honored him, one of his mentorees said he always told us to go ahead and apologize even if we thought we were wrong because relationships are more valuable than victories. So I'm a, you know, Pastor Joe usually sat right here where Dina and Sharon are sitting. Relationships are more important than victories. So if I insist to have the last word, if I insist in always being right, I've got a pride problem. And I need to repent. But how many of you know it's not your job to make me see it and repent? That's where we get in trouble, isn't it? We want to help the Holy Spirit let others see the light. Amen? Dina told me many years ago, you're not the Holy Spirit, and He doesn't really need your help. <laughs> she was right on both of those accounts. I still forget that sometimes. But you do want a pastor who's real, don't you? Okay, all right. Affirm, express value. If dissolution of that relationship becomes necessary, and sometimes it does, do it with respect. Take the high road, because if you don't take the high road, you're going to have to spend all these emotions trying to defend yourself, staying angry. You're going to spend all this energy that if you don't take the high road, you're going to have regrets, and you're going to have to spend all this time and energy trying to replay it over and over and over again. If you have to disassociate from somebody, let them know that you love them, you respect them. It's just not going to work, that you're not going to be able to connect in this relationship. And uh, we're going to both have to do something differently. Um, Take the high road. And that way... If there comes a time when it can be resolved like Paul and John Mark, there won't be all that baggage.
Will, this, will these principles work in any relationship? Listen, if you will ask the Holy Spirit, if you'll go by the Word of God, if you will be an agent of the Holy Spirit, then God will be at work to bring about results that you can't do. When you're in a confrontation in the thick of it, understand that is not, it is not your job to be louder than the other person. It is not your job to talk more than the other person. It is not your job to make them see it your way. That's not, that responsibility is not on you. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, with self-control, ask the right questions. And everybody listen to me. This is right out of the Scripture. Are you ready? When you're in confrontation, let the other person say what they want to say and keep your mouth shut. That's 3 Franklinians 2.1. <laughs> See, I told you it's right there. You earn the right to be heard when you give somebody the right to express. Even if there's disagreement. Disagreement is a lot better. It's even biblical sometimes than, than strife. Strife will open the door to confusion in every evil thing. So relationships. They are extremely, extremely valuable. Pastor, has that ever happened in the church? You know the Scripture's pretty clear. If you guys ever have a conflict with one another, are you listening? If you guys ever have a conflict with one another, the Scriptures say you go to the other person and try to get it right. You don't come to me first. You go to the other person. And try to get it right. And if that fails, then you come to the leadership of the church. But only after you've exhausted that. I have sat through several conflict resolution meetings. They're not my favorite deal as a pastor, I can tell you that. But one thing I've seen every single time, every single time, is when there is opportunity given to express heartache and it's done with order and it's done listening to the other side as well as expressing your own. Every single time it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to bring about some peace and resolution. So, recognize it's not your job to change the other person. And the more you try, the less success you'll have. Confrontation is right. It's biblical, done right. At the right time, in the right way. 
You say, well, pastor, I just don't ever want to get in confrontation with anybody. Well, good luck to you on that. And I'll also tell you this. If you saw somebody going down a bridge and you knew that that bridge over that bay was out, would you just say, well, you know, I tried to tell them. Sometimes you need to go to somebody and say, I'm, I'm very concerned that the bridge is out and maybe you don't know it. I want you to know I love you and I pray for you and if I can help you, I will, but I'm very concerned that the bridge is out and you're still pressing the accelerator. That's legitimate. And it may cause some discomfort. So what? So what? Do you want a little discomfort or disaster? Amen? God may use you as an agent of healing and restoration. Well, I know many of you will be glad when we get off this part of the relationship series. But uh, you know what my job is? My job's not to build anything, Megan. My job's to tell you the truth. Amen? To tell you the truth. Thank you for being here. We love you. I pray for you every day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you know the hearts of all who hear this word. You know that some are heartbroken. I pray you would give them the grace to forgive their attackers. Whether it's someone close or someone far away, I pray you would give them the grace to forgive and bless those. Like you told us in your word, Jesus, to bless those who say all manner of evil against us, even if it's false. You told us to forgive and to bless. Give us the grace to do that, Lord. And Father, I pray you would restore things that are broken. But God, we know that a lot of times healing has to take place before there's restoration. So we ask you, in faith, knowing that you're always at work, both to will and to do of your good pleasure, we ask you to heal those broken places not only in us, but in our relationships. So there might be restoration. So that we might walk together in the love and peace of Christ. And so Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to do a mighty work. A mighty work. That, that you'll set people free today from carrying burdens of, of conflict that have been there a long time. Let your grace, let your forgiveness, your mercy, 
and your wisdom take over our situations as we trust you to work. Thank you the results are not in our hands. It's obedience that's in our hands. But you will take care of the results and we will trust you with them. And even if there is a disconnection for a season or the rest of our seasons, we trust you with it. We trust you that you're at work, Lord. We thank you that we're not God and we don't have to even act like it. We trust you to do what only you can do. We pray these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And all the people said, you can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.